All right, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Mike. Uh, I am on the leadership team here, but more importantly, I am a follower of Jesus, a grandfather, and a dad. And you know what that means? That means I like dad jokes. So get ready. <laughs> I'll start with this one, even though it wasn't what I had planned. B biblical dad jokes, biblical trivia dad jokes. Which of the biblical cities was opposed to the COVID mask mandates? Damascus, I heard it, you got it. You've heard it before, haven't you? By the way, these jokes came straight from Sarah, so if you don't like them. Well, maybe indirectly from Sarah. But I'm gonna be talking a little bit about giving and stuff today. So here's a couple of uh, sort of like financial type stuff, giving type jokes. So who was the most business savvy woman in the Bible? Anybody know? Yeah, it would be Pharaoh's daughter because she went to the bank of the Nile and pulled out a little profit. I know, I know. <laughs> Did you know that Noah was really good at finances too? Yeah, he kept his stock afloat. Wah, wah. Last one, I promise. I might, I might throw a few more in later, but how could the Son of Man afford to pay for it all? Simple. Jesus saves. Ah, oh, I know. I know. Thank you. I appreciate you indulging me in that. I love dad jokes. I don't know why. The cheesier, the better, as far as I'm concerned. Okay, the title of my message today is God's Generosity, Giving from a Place of Rest. As you can tell, I want to build a little bit on some of the things that Sarah spoke about over the last couple of weeks. She spoke about, you know, living our lives, worshiping and working from a place of rest. And she talked also a lot about paradox. But before I get into that, I want to give you an update on some uh, interesting giving things that have happened, some generosity things that have happened here in the church uh, over the last few months. The first one is the youth camp thing, which Sarah already covered. That was an amazing outpouring of generosity. We were able to uh, scholarship way more kids than we had. Last week, we had a problem. It's like, wow, what do we do with all this money? You know, it's like, how can we figure out how to be the most generous with it? It's a good problem to have. Amen. We also uh, talked about this a little bit last week, but that offering we took for Cheryl, who is a, a, another one of our Southeast Asia missionaries, was really, really generous. That was over $2,000 from uh, this congregation. So thank you, God, for coming through. And thank you for coming through through your people, God. And then I also want to speak a little bit about this. This is a little quarterly update that Aaron put together at the end of the first quarter. We uh, here at the fellowship, we want to make sure that we're really transparent about what's going on with the, you know, your offerings and the things that you bring into the kingdom. And uh, basically what that said was, even after a bunch of restructuring and stuff that we did at the beginning of the year, uh, we were still running during uh, January, February, March, about $2,500 per month deficit. But, uh, and we asked, and we just like, laid it out and we said, hey, you know, let's pray. Let's see what God can do. And I uh, got good news. We're breaking even the second quarter. Amen. That's some good news right, right there. So we still got some place to go, but, uh, and I'll talk about that later, but that's okay. So I, I'm, just, I'm just really, really excited. I'm really excited to see what's going to happen with this offering from Ben and Rachel. And you can still bring offerings up here if you want. There's a new bucket in there. So we'll know, you know which, which monies go to who. Just make a note if you want to give online. We'll make sure that it gets to the right people. Okay, so again, I want to build on stuff that Sarah talked about over the last couple of weeks. She talked about you know, living, 
worshiping, working from a place of rest, which sounds like a paradox, and that's because it is. She spoke a lot about paradox, and a paradox is something that's opposed to common sense. It defies logic. It's not the natural thing that you would expect. It's not the natural thing that you would do, yet it works. It's unnatural. Well, wait a minute. Maybe it's supernatural. It's spiritual. That's what paradox is. And the kingdom of God is riddled with all kinds of paradox. And she gave us a number of examples. So uh, she concluded both those weeks when she spoke about this by encouraging us to ask the Lord where we may not be in a place of rest. What areas of our lives are we not in a place of rest? Where are we anxious and striving? And for me, uh, that was a really useful exercise because it, the Lord pointed out some areas that I definitely could uh, you know, move into an area of peace and rest. And so today I want to, to like even narrow the focus down a little more and explore how do we walk in generosity and how do we give from a place of rest? Because right now that's hard to do, especially with money. <laughs> but I'm not talking in terms of just money. I'm talking when in generosity comes up, I'm talking about giving all the resources we have, especially the most precious resources we have. And outside of our financial resources, I'm thinking of things like our energy, our time, our wisdom, our empathy, our encouragement, forgiveness, and the list goes on. So try not to think about this just in terms of giving financial resources and walking in that sort of generosity. So the first question I asked myself as I uh, prep for this is like, what, what exactly is God's desire for us? And uh, if you could hit that first slide, Caleb, uh, there's a couple of scriptures I think that speak to it. And this is one of my favorites and we've all seen it many times, but it talks about how the enemy comes to kill, steal and destroy, but Jesus comes, and this is him speaking here. Jesus comes to give us life and to give it to us abundantly. I believe Jesus wants us to live an abundant life. Who else believes that? Anybody in here? I believe it too. <laughs> he also, next, next uh, slide, Caleb, and, and uh, Sarah spoke about this. I think he wants us to do it from a place of rest. He talks in this scripture about making every effort or working to enter that rest so that uh, we won't be disqualified or we won't, be, we won't perish by following their example of disobedience. What he's talking, who's they? He's talking about the Israelites here. This, the, the context of the scripture is uh, the writer of Hebrews talking about, let's enter that rest. That rest was promised to the Israelites as they were wandering around in the wilderness, waiting to go into the promised land. But they had to wait until they got their act together and stop being so naughty, okay? So that's what they're talking about, disobedience. But he says, let's make an effort to enter that rest, which seems like a paradox in and of itself. How do you work to get to rest, right? It seems a little bit paradoxical. I believe God wants us to be people who are relaxed, confident, easygoing, content, not stressed, energetic, optimistic, all those things. But when I look at my own life, and when I look around at people as I go out in public, uh, too much of the time, I don't see that, especially in my own life. What I see is a guy looking, who looks tired a lot, <laughs> who looks anxious, maybe even burned out. So my question is, how do we get from that place? Uh, how do we get to that place of rest, trust, and confidence, and optimism, especially in the world right now that seems to be pushing against us at every turn to accomplishing that? 
And I think this next scripture really speaks to me. And I think it gives us a key on how to get there. And this is from the message. And it says this. This is Jesus speaking. It says, are you tired? Worn out? Sometimes, yeah, and yeah. Burned out on religion? It says, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. That sounds good, huh? I won't lay everything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Man, I, I don't know about you, but I would love to walk to that tempo, those rhythms of unforced, I'm sorry, the unforced rhythms of grace. I want to be, I want to be there. And what, what I like about this, what this scripture says in terms of how do we get to that place of rest, right in the middle it says, walk with me, work with me. And then it says this, watch how I do it. Watch how I do it. So I said, okay, since we're talking about generosity and wanting to get to a place where we can give and be generous with all our resources from that place of rest, how does he do it? So I started looking through different things in the Bible, things that jumped to my mind. And I looked at, I'm not just looking at what God had been generous with us for, but how he was generous when he gave those things to us. Let's the first thing that jumps to mind is creation itself. Creation itself is amazing. See, he made the seas, the rivers, the mountains, the deserts, everything, the skies. And I did a little research. Did you, and he put all kinds of life onto the, work, into, onto the earth. And check this out. There are over 750,000 species of insects over 400,000 species of flowers, over 200,000 species of plants that we can eat, because he knows we like to eat, 10,000 species of birds, the list goes on and on. On top of that, he gave us the senses that we have, sight, smell, hearing, taste, touch, so that we can fully experience all this stuff he created for us. That is an amazing gift in and of itself. He, gave, he created us. He created Adam and Eve. He gave us his presence. I mean, that's just, that's, that's some of the stuff he did on the earth. But think about the whole universe. Apparently, there's more stars than can be counted. And each one of those stars is like our sun. There could be like whole solar systems around each one of those things. I mean, it just gets mind-blowing after a while. So when I think about creation and think about what, what, what is the major characteristic of his giving and generosity there, and I'd have to say that how he gave us creation how he gives generosity, how he gives, is in a word, generous. It's lavish. It's abundant. That's the first thing I noticed. When I look at the Exodus story, that's an interesting story. Because this is a story of the people who are enslaved in Egypt. They finally get out, and they get into the wilderness, and they wander around for 40 years. Wait, God's waiting for them to kind of get their act together. And then they go into the promised land. It's a story where God takes his people from a place of not enough to a place of just enough when they're in the wilderness to a place of more than enough. It's interesting to me that in the middle part where, he's, where they're in the land, where they're in the wilderness wandering around, God gave them just enough. Why did he not give them more than enough there? The answer is because they were being naughty. Remember, they were worshiping the golden calves and all that stuff. And God's like, you know what? None of you guys are going to the promised land. 
until you get your act together. It took a while, but they finally did. And when they did, they got to a place that was more than enough. But here's what's interesting. While they were in that place of disobedience, he gave them everything they needed. I think when God gives, he gives with graciousness, with grace. He doesn't disqualify us because we mess up, you know? And maybe that's a model for the way we should give too, you know? Sometimes we're, we're a little too judgmental and conditional on the way that we share our love with people, for example, or where we forgive folks. Just, uh, just food for thought, just food for thought. When I look at the story of Abraham, amazing story, uh, and I've got a couple scriptures on that one. I just want to explain that one to you. Caleb, if you could hit the first one, please. This is uh, what the Lord says to Abram. He's, and at that time, Abraham was known as Abram. He says, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I'm going to show you. And then he makes an amazing promise to him. He says, I'm going to make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. Then he says, I will bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you. And all the people, this is the cool part, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Next slide, please. He reiterates that in several different places throughout the book of Genesis, including here where he says to Abraham, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring, you and your descendants. And I got news for you, gang. That's us. We are Abraham's descendants because we're grafted into the family of God by virtue of the fact that we've given our lives to Jesus Christ. And that means that we get to participate as collaborators in God's generosity. This is a huge way. It's not the only way, but it's a very important way that God does generosity. We get to partner with him in that generosity. His plan was to bless the world through us. Isn't that amazing? We become like a conduit, if you will, a means, a vehicle for that. And just like Abraham, we are blessed to be a blessing. And he continues to honor that promise to this day. And so when I look at that story, I think, okay, what characterizes his giving there? And the answer is he's faithful and he's dependable. And I think that's the kind of offering of generosity that he wants us to give, faithfully and dependably. What about forgiveness? I thought about forgiveness too. Uh, Obviously, he wants us to forgive. Thank God he gave us the gift of forgiveness. Amen? It's a huge gift. Uh, Jesus, when asked by Peter, next slide, please, Caleb. How many times, I, I can just picture Peter coming out. How many times should I forgive this bonehead over here who keeps offending me? And Jesus says, and, he, and Peter's like, I'll do it seven times because I'm super cool. And Jesus says, good try. It's got to be, you got to be even more generous than that. And so I just think that is, again, sort of a picture of how when God gives and he practices generosity, he does it with grace. He does it with grace. Another thing that I really am glad that God gave us is the Holy Spirit. Next slide, please. So uh, we have the helper, the advocate, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, this is Jesus speaking, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. I am so glad he gave us the Holy Spirit because I need his advice all the time, constantly. 
And I love the fact that he gave us the gifts of the Spirit, which are on the next slide. And these things are really, really important. The word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, miracles, discerning of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues, healings, and prophecy. It is so awesome that we have these. Think, just think about each one of those things and the blessing that they have been to people on earth throughout the ages. It is absolutely amazing. But for obviously, the best give of all, next slide, please, is this one. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now, that is a generous gift. But what's really striking about this passage and about the fact that he gave us Jesus is the motivation behind the giving. It's love. And I think that's the biggest take home. Love is at the center of generosity, right smack dab in the middle. Everything else kind of spokes off of that. So that's the other thing about God's generosity. I think that is a model for us in our generosity is that it's always done with love. It's always done with the best interests of the recipient in mind. And sometimes that meant that God had to sort of pull back a little bit. Like, for example, when those Israelites escaped Egypt and they're wandering around the desert and they went a little crazy, you know, he gave them the Ten Commandments, right? Which reminds me of another dad joke. Who was the worst lawbreaker in the Bible? Moses. He broke all Ten Commandments at once. All right. That was cheesy. If you don't know the context, he, Moses came down with the tablets and he was a little frustrated. He threw them on the ground and they broke the pieces. Okay. Sorry. They just come to my head all of a sudden. I don't know why. So his giving, I mean, I'm just scratching the surface. I mean, I, all I notice is these, these characteristics. His giving is abundant and lavish. It's collaborative. We get to partner with him. He does it through us most, um, much of the time. His giving is faithful, consistent, and dependable. It's gracious and patient. He doesn't disqualify people when they mess up. It's motivated by love, always motivated by love. But there's another element to it. It's always done wisely with wisdom. And that's another thing I've noticed that God gave us that I'm really grateful for. He gave us a ton of wisdom in, his, in, his, in the Bible, for example. He gave us all kinds of wisdom in there on how to do relationships, how to worship, how to pray, how to grieve, how to work, how to rest all kinds of stuff. And there's a lot of stuff in there on how to be generous and how to manage provision. Did you know there's over 800 scriptures that either directly or indirectly address how God would advise us to manage the material provision that he gives us? 800. That sounds a bit overwhelming, but I promise you this, it all boils down to some really simple principles. And I'm going to touch on just a couple now, mostly because a the most important ones, in my opinion, are not common sense, they're paradox. Many of, much of God's wisdom is common sense. Much of it is, flies in the face of common sense, it's paradox. And so I want to just sort of walk through a little few of these. Some of them are really, really important in terms of paradox. Some of them are really, really obvious. And uh, I ask your patience in listening to me. It's a little bit like going to the dentist. You know, you need to hear this every once in a while even though you may not want to hear it. It's good for you. Okay, so the first basic principle is this. And this is a paradox. Uh, Caleb, next slide. And that is simply this, that God 
is our provider. Our, you know, from the time we're children, we're taught, this is mine, this is yours, this is ours, this is theirs, right? So it's a very, there's like a lot of cultural stuff militating against this idea that God, in fact, is our provider. You know, we think a lot of times that, uh, you know, my job gives me money, uh, you know, uh, that kind of stuff. I worked hard. I built this kind of thing. And we did. The Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And if that's true, and it is true, that takes the onus of ownership away from us and instead puts us in a place of being a steward or a caretaker, a manager, if you will. But the other part of it is, and from this from Deuteronomy 8, it says, remember the Lord your God, because it's he who gives us the ability to produce these things, this provision, this wealth, whatever we want to call it. And so that, I think, is really, really important. And when I think again about the Abraham, the Abraham covenant, all peoples on earth are going to be blessed through us. That's because God's our provider. So when you begin to understand that God's your provider and he can come through when things look really dismal and you start walking in that, that's when it gets easier to practice generosity, to give your love, your forgiveness, your time, even your material stuff. It makes it a lot easier to give when you know that God is going to provide because he's going to make sure you have enough, more than enough usually. Okay, next principle. That is definitely a paradox. That's, that, I think, is one of the biggest keys to getting to a place where you can be generous from a place of rest and peace and not be worried about running out. Because when God's the provider, we will not run out. All right, the next one is, now this is just common sense. The Bible says, you know, another way to, to manage your money is to kind of minimize or eliminate debt. Now, I know a lot of entrepreneurs who use debt and they're really smart people and they're making a lot of money doing it. And there's a lot of them are sown to the kingdom of God. And that is awesome. But for a simple-minded guy like me, that just scares the heck out of me. So, and if you read the Bible, for the most part, the Bible is like, yeah, it's probably better to stay away from that stuff. And here's why. When you read the Deuteronomy 28 blessing, which is a long blessing about what happens when you're obedient with the Lord. One of the things it says is that, you're going to be so blessed that you're going to lend to people but borrow from nobody. So that seems to be God's desire for us in terms of material things, to not be in debt, uh, and, and if possible, to be on the other side of that, you know, lending money to people. But I think the biggest reason he doesn't want us to do that is, is from Proverbs 22.7. It's because when you're in a situation where you're in debt, that's bondage. It is a form of bondage, and that's not what God wants for us. You know, when you, uh, when, you, when you take a loan from a relative and you show up at their house for Thanksgiving dinner, yeah, you might be, you know, you might, it might be, you know, father. And so let's say I take a, let's say I take a loan from my father. I go there as a son, as a son, father, son relationship. But there's also now this new element of the, of the of relationship, you know, like slave and master. And that's not cool. And I've seen this happen. I've seen this work itself out in families many times. Someone borrows a bunch of money from a relative. You know, they're paying it back or whatever. And then they go on this like luxurious vacation. And the person lending the money is like, what the heck? That happens all the time. It messes up relationships. That's why God doesn't really want us to like indulge in that 
unless we can do it super wisely like those entrepreneurs. I don't know how those guys do it, but I'm glad they do. They do. All right, next one. This is common sense. Save for, save for harvest and famine. If you read the story of Joseph in Genesis 41, he predicted that there's going to be a famine. They saved up for six years and the seventh year, sure enough, there was a famine and they made it through. But I like this scripture from Proverbs. So look at the ant. Consider its ways and be wise. So we're just being encouraged here to be as wise as an ant. Think we can pull that off? The ant has no commander, no overseer, no ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. So all you people that are participating in your company, 401k and all that stuff, you're right in line with God's advice here. This is a good idea to do this. It's a really good idea to do this. All right, next one. It's really good. I did have a plan, especially with your financial resources. Where are you at? Where are you going and how are you going to get there? Some people call it a budget, spending plan, whatever, but you need to have that. Even Jesus said in this scripture that if you're going to build something, wouldn't you at least count the cost to figure out if you have enough, enough resources to complete it? So there you go. It's good to have a plan to know where you're going. But here's the big one. This is the next one, the big paradox. To give and bless generously. This is how we get to that place of peace. So the first big paradox was that God is our provider. Once you internalize that, it makes it a lot easier to give in a more relaxed and, and, and uh, generous fashion. But this is really, really important. Giving and blessing generously is absolutely the reason that God gives us financial provision. It gives us all kinds of provision in other areas so that we can be generous with everybody. It says there that generous themselves will be blessed for they share their food with the poor. Now, don't forget during this time that this was written, why they did have money, but food was pretty much the currency of the day because every day was sort of a, you know, how are we going to survive? What are we going to eat next? That kind of thing. But there is a principle that when you are generous, you yourself will be blessed. Will you be, if you give money, will you get money back? I don't know. If you give empathy, will you get empathy back? Maybe, maybe not. But I do know that God will bless you in some way, shape, or form. And then the next slide is the, is the big one that we've all seen preached to death. And I really don't want to make a, a huge case for tithing here, but what I do want to say is, read this to you, and then I'll say what I need to say. Bring the whole tithe in the storehouse, that there may be food in the house. Test me in this, says God, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there won't be enough room to contain it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your field will, I'm sorry, will not drop their fruit before it's ripe. I'm having a hard time reading back here, says the Lord Almighty. This is what I want to emphasize from this scripture. This, is, this scripture is encouraging us to not let up in our giving. And it comes with two promises. The first promise is that if we continue to be generous, that he's going to open the flood, the storehouse and pour blessings into our life. The second one is that he's going to prevent pests. Other, other translation call, he's going to rebuke the devourer. So there's like two promises. There's a promise of blessing and provision. And there's a promise of protection. It's really, really interesting. I think a lot of times we focus on the first promise, but not the second promise. 
do you believe that there might be, I'm going to call it the demon of water pumps. Maybe the demon of water pumps is just hovering around your car right now. You don't think God can just prevent that demon of water pumps from blowing that thing out? How many times has God protected you from stuff that you don't even know about? How many times has he, maybe you got delayed once to go somewhere. Who knows? You may have missed something really bad that could happen. Maybe you would have gotten a car crash or something like that. He's at work all the time, whether we know it or not. We need to believe it because it's happening all the time. So don't stop being generous, I think is what he's saying. Don't cut back on your giving. Your giving and tithing comes with those two promises. Bring in even more blessing and protection from the devourer. Now, there's another devourer out there right now in our culture. It's devouring our money. Anyone want to guess what that is? It's inflation. Right now, our money doesn't buy as much as it did a year ago. I think if you want to be in, protected from inflation, you should give. That's what I'm going to do. Because I believe God will protect us even more. I think this whole inflation thing has caused us all to draw back. And I know for a fact in my own life, it's spilling over into my generosity in other areas. Because we're all in this kind of drawback mentality right now, I think sometimes I'm drawing back from giving my time, my energy, my empathy, my encouragement. You know, when you get into a place where you're constantly surrounded by news of how everything's horrible and we've got to cut back, cut back, and we should cut back in certain areas, but I would encourage you to, to think about not cutting back in this area. But don't ask me and don't listen to me. I encourage you to ask the Lord what he would have you do in this area. I believe that he'll give you the end. He may say, nope, now's the time to you know, stop giving to the church, whatever. but he may surprise you. And will you always get blessed in the same, like if you give money, will you get money back? I don't know. I know that Stanley has told, told its stories many times about how he, when he began tithing, God blessed him with like friends, a lot of friends. So it can come in different forms. It can come in really a lot of different growth. So my saying that you should give when things are really tight, yes, yes, and yes. That's my opinion, okay? But I would encourage you not to just listen to me, listen to God. And I'm going to share the story about how I listen to God and how I started tithing. I know you've all heard it, but it's my testimony. I'm going to say it again because there's somebody in here who needs to hear it today. 25 years ago, maybe more. I was, I was a believer, and um, I was just learning about how to hear from God. And I was really excited about what's happening. We had just got, started learning about spiritual warfare. We'd gone through some deliverance. We were getting free. We were getting free. I was loving what was happening in our, in our lives from a, from a spiritual standpoint, from our journey with God. On the other side of that equation, though, we were having some trouble at home. We had... We, had, we were having some issues in our family. We had a rebellious teenager. If you've ever gone through that, it's very upsetting. A lot of, a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of worrying. Very, it, it literally consumed me. I mean, I just couldn't get my mind off it. I also had a job at the time. My job was to, uh, I was sort of like a territory sales rep, so I'd drive around from place to place. And I was, the more I got consumed with these problems, the more and more depressed I got. I'm pretty sure I was in a depression. I was just having a hard time getting out of bed even. And I, my performance at work was horrible. I wasn't making any sales. Things were awful and all this kind of stuff. But I was hearing from God. I had that. 
So I began to pray. I'm like, God, what more can I do to help this situation? What more can I do? I mean, there's got to be something like this. There's some like therapy we can try or something, anything. And this is what I heard. He goes, why don't you try tithing? And I'm like, what? What does that have to do with any of this, these issues? I'm like, I, I guess I heard him wrong. So I kept praying. I kept hearing the same thing. I'm like, oh, crud. I wish I hadn't learned to hear God so good. So I went home to my wife and I said, guess what? This is what I heard today. I think it's ridiculous. She goes, and I was hoping that she would join with me and go, yeah, you're right. We're not doing that. And she's like, well, I guess that's your her. That's what we need to do. I'm like, oh, man. I've always had a pretty good handle on the finances of our family. And so I sat down that night and uh, we were just getting by at that point. Well, if we start tithing, I figured it out. We're going to be $311 short every month. So I fought God about it for a while. And finally, this is my response to God. I'm like, well, heck, everything else is going to hell in a handbasket. Why not throw the finances into the bucket too? So really good attitude, right? So I, we started tithing and uh, with, a, with a really cruddy attitude. And so I'm still struggling, you know, I'm going to work and I'm like, oh man, I'm thinking, I hope my boss doesn't notice. And sure enough, like a week later, I get a call. Mike, we need to talk. This is your boss calling. We need to talk. I'm like, oh boy, here it comes. So I started, you know, prepping myself for all the excuses I was going to make and all this kind of stuff. And I go to the meeting, sit down across the table from the guy and he goes, well, I've been talking to my boss about you. I'm thinking, oh man, maybe they're going to fire me. <laughs> and he goes, we are really impressed with the work you're doing, so we're going to give you a promotion and a raise. I'm like, what? Inside, I'm like, what? I'm like, me? And then I, then I, then I kicked into BS mode. Oh yeah, I've been working really hard. <laughs> what a poser, man. Not my finest moment for sure, but it was one of God's finest moments. It was. And I'll tell you why. About three or four weeks later, got my first paycheck with the raise. My take-home pay was $311 more. I, I, I've told that story a lot of times. You all have heard it. Many of you have heard it. Some of you haven't. That's why I told today because I know there's some people in here that haven't heard it. Every time I tell a story, I choke up because God moved powerfully in my life. And you know what? It wasn't even about the provision. It was not about the provision at all. It was that he showed me that I could trust him. That I could give from a place of trust. I could give from a place of rest. And not just in the area of giving. It encouraged me to trust him in other areas too. It encouraged me to trust him with that rebellious teenager. And that person is now serving the Lord faithfully. It is amazing. It is amazing. But it's not easy. And that was not easy. But I want to encourage you to step out in that. I would encourage you to ask God what he would have you do with regard to giving and generosity in your life. And again, I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about your time, your empathy, your forgiveness, the whole package. 
Ask God how you can get to that place of rest and trust in every area of your life. Because I believe that when God, God's always aware of our needs, but when God mobilizes his people, when they become aware of a need, they move into action. So I want to conclude by sharing with you some of the needs we have around here in the financial realm and other realms. So if you could hit that next slide, please. And this stuff was all on these, this quarterly financial update. And we're about to give you another one here pretty soon. But we have a couple of near-term needs and goals that I want to share with you. We are now breaking even in our general fund. Hallelujah, right? Well, let me tell you how that we got there. We had to restructure massively at the beginning of this year. Our administrator, Tom Sanger, who's with us here today, he left, he left to pursue a career in real estate, which is something he wanted to do. So that worked out okay. We were able to give Tom a six-month severance by emptying out basically every account we have and by virtue of a very generous gift that we received. But we wanted to bless. We wish we could have done more. And by the way, Tom is now working in real estate, and he's good at it. If you know anybody that's selling a house or buying a house, talk to Tom. I know he doesn't have as much experience, but he's working with a guy who's got a ton of experience, and he'll help you out. He'll do you right. So, but we also had to cut salaries. We had to cut Sarah's salary, the Stanley's salary, not by a little bit, by a lot. $2,000 per month total. So, I would love to see, and I'm sure you would agree with me, I would love to see those salaries restored. And you know what? God's aware of the need. Now you're aware of the need. Let's see what he does. Pray. We'll see what happens. God brought us to a place of breaking even in three short months. Who knows what he's going to do next? But I want you to be aware of the need. We've also got a desire to upgrade our foyer in the front of our building. Sarah's got an amazing plan. She's got estimates. We can do the whole thing for about 10 grand. And here's the good news. We've already received a single gift of $1,500 towards that goal. We want to upgrade it, make the front of the building look more appealing and upgrade that foyer. So we'd obviously like to remodel the whole place. But we're going to take one step at a time. And that's something that's in the, in, the, in the works. We want to upgrade these projectors and these cameras so that we can uh, continue and even improve our online presence and also get these projectors a little brighter than what they are right now. All right. We have, we need increase in staffing for our children's ministry. We'd love to hire a, you know, a full-time youth pastor or, or um, something like that. So we uh, part-time, full-time, but we also need people to teach children's church and we'll fill in the nursery. And that's something you can give. That just takes your time. It doesn't take any money. And we're also uh, gathering funds for Kelly. Kelly Joe is going to adopt some uh, girls from Africa pretty soon, I think, like the beginning of 23, right? 2023. And so, yeah, if you can always, you can talk to them and, and uh, talk to her and figure out where she's at with that. But we, if you want to give to that, you can write a check to the fellowship, put down this for the adoption fund, and we'll get the funds to her. So those are some of our near-term needs and goals. I would say that's like the next six to 12 months. We'd love to be able to get some of that done. But we have even longer-term goals, which is on the next slide. Caleb? There we go. Oh, the parking lot. Yeah, I noticed that the parking lot was stripped and striped this morning. It, was, it looks good. But if you look underneath that paint, that thing is rough. And we need to fix it and it's expensive we need a new roof and we would love to pay pay off our mortgage all right are these dreams yeah but god's god's great at meet, meeting our dreams and giving our making our dreams come true right by the way this building amazing i don't know what it's worth probably a couple million dollars maybe more i don't know 
And we have a very small mortgage on this, less than, I think it's 400,000 or less, something like that. So oh, we're down to 250. Yeah, something like, I don't know, it's slow. It's, it's, so we're blessed, we're blessed. And for those of you thinking now, why don't we just get a, like the commercial version of a home equity loan? We try, but they turn us down. <laughs> so we have a lot of things going for us. We're really blessed. And um, we're just glad that God is meeting our needs. And uh, I'm asking you to ask God if you, want, if you want to contribute to any of those things. Okay, so I'm, a, I'm done. We're going to, uh, but I want to, I want to finish by just speaking a blessing over your personal finances. Would that be okay? All right. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, that you are, in fact, our provider. And today, this very day, I proclaim financial increase upon everyone in this room, everyone represented here in all your homes. I call in jobs for those who are unemployed, and I call in better jobs for people who desire and need them. I bless all of us and all of you for a breakthrough where, what, where you have things and issues that have been restricted and clogged up, and I pray that those things, I, I speak a blessing, those things would start to flow again. Because of your obedience and giving, I declare God's favor to be upon you so that those things that have been tied up, such as inheritances, settlements, and estates, that those things be released so you can enjoy what God means to be rightfully yours. God has stated that he wishes you to have more than enough. So I speak a blessing to come upon those of you who work in sales and commissions. I pray that God, and I bless you, that deals and opportunities will be attracted to you and that God will profit you and prosper you in extraordinary, unbelievable ways. I speak over this congregation that opportunities for advancement will come to us. I also call forth raises and bonuses. I call back to your residences, wallets, and bank accounts, anything that Satan has or has attempted to steal from you, just like, uh, like Job in the Bible. And, I, and I, I speak that if you've been stolen from, that it will be restored to you double, just like Job in the Bible. And because our Lord rejoices over his children and he delights to see us happy and blessed, I declare that the Lord will cause you to have surprises, unexpected checks, unexpected money. He will bless and surprise you with things in the mail, unexpected checks right out of nowhere. And by the way, this has happened before in this congregation. For those of you that God has blessed as entrepreneurs, I pray that your mind, and I speak a blessing, that your mind is inspired with new and God ideas and that inventions and inventions so that you can prosper. For those of you who are business owners, I pray blessings on you that they would be so abundant that your company can bless your employees with increased pay and massively benefit packages. I speak a spirit of abundance on this family of God, this congregation, that God will miraculously bring us out of debt so that the stress of debt and the burden of debt will release your minds and that you will come into a new peace and a new reality of financial freedom so that you and your house may serve God, so that you can bless others in newness, in joy, in peace, and in rest. May you and your house begin to enjoy plenty so that you, again, can be blessed to be a blessing. In the name of Jesus, I bless all of you. I bless the Lord. I thank you, God, for your goodness to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.